Hey, this is Matthew's Table podcast channel. We wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and reminds you of who you are, but more importantly, whose you are. Everybody can be seated. Um, Real quick, uh, Brandy um, had started not feeling well this afternoon, late, so... um, she texted and let us know, so if you guys would be praying for her, uh, I think she's just, you know, headache and stuff like that, but anyways, uh, with that being said, be praying for her and lifting her up. Meanwhile, um, that's why we were doing videos, so give thanks to Rob Martin for quickly making some moves so that we could do some, um, some music, um, so before we get started, I'm just going to say what I feel like I need to say. Uh, one, um, been on the struggle bus for about four or five days now. Um, like nothing, nothing's, well, and that's kind of what stinks about it is I don't have a good reason. Like I don't have a reason to be on the struggle bus, right? Like um, lost gratitude and um kind of just self-absorbed maybe and focusing on me and my situation or whatever and um so been struggling so today like right really i don't want to be here and and i don't want to be doing this right now um and that's embarrassing to admit because of who i'm supposed to be but i i like i believe in being real like if you ain't real then um mainly because i was fake for most of my life i guess and uh and I don't, I don't want to be fake no more, you know what I mean? Um, so, anyways, a lot of that is to uh, help you guys uh, give me grace for tonight because I don't even know if this is going to make sense. Like, I know that God put it on my heart last week because of where I found myself, and uh, I don't even know if I'm going to speak from this tonight. I just know that this is what I'm supposed to talk about. And um, that, who knows where this goes? When you get on the struggle bus, let's just hope you, you, you get home. You know what I mean? Because uh, it can take you anywhere, right? Um, so with that being said, I will say for any of you who are here for the first time, welcome to Truth and Grace. Uh, Truth and Grace is a midweek service where, unfortunately, people assume that it's only for individuals in recovery, but uh, we believe that everybody's in recovery because we've all sinned and fell short of the glory of God. So um, truth is, um, everybody needs Jesus, right? Um, and it's especially me in, in this in this last week. So with all that being said, what we like to do is we like to just kind of focus on maybe a lie that the enemy has told us or that we've chosen to believe maybe about ourselves or about what God has promised or, or uh, has spoken to in the word of God. And then we look at the word, which is the truth, and then we'll hear a testimony, which is the grace part of uh, our service, right? So, uh, and we're in November, right? So not only am I on struggle bus finding it hard to be, even be grateful for everything I should be grateful for, but it's the month of thankfulness. Like this is where everybody all of a sudden's only, you know, you're only thankful in November for whatever reason. I don't know why, but he said, you know, I'm thankful for, you know, Rogers. I mean, so last month you weren't thankful. I don't know, but uh, I guess it's possible. So here it is, the month of thankfulness. I've been waiting all year for it, and we get here, and I'm like the least thankfulness uh, individual right now for no good reason. Uh, anyways, uh, we're moving into holidays. Last month, we uh, we just talked about identity all month long, like who are you um, in, in relation to... Um, your relationship with God, like who God says you are versus who you thought you were or who you've allowed other people to tell you you were, right? This month, uh, we are going to piggyback on the month of November, and it's okay to be thankful in November, and it's, I'm teasing. Uh, but uh, so it'll be mostly about grace and gratitude uh, as it relates to relationship with God and others. Because, uh, by the way, um, many of you who don't have a sponsor in recovery probably need to go ahead and get you a sponsor because you're going to be celebrating holidays very soon where you go back home with all your family and, like, everybody's fighting, nobody's getting along and all that, right? So, um 
We need to be prepared by that. So I figured this month we would start looking at just grace. Uh, like, what's that mean? What's it look like? How do you define grace and gratitude? Uh, biblically speaking, like, um, wh- how, would, how would we support that we should have an attitude of gratitude and why, right? So that's what me and Nick and, and maybe a, 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 an, another or two, well, I told you I was struggling. It's, like, we'll be teaching on this month, right? So I'm kind of excited about it. But um, with that being said, I want to explain why uh, we're doing this tonight, uh, which I've already shared with you. But just it's just been a week where I feel blah. Has anybody else ever felt blah? Do you know what blah is? Like you don't have a good reason to be blah. You're just like, you know, I'm not feeling it, right? Like, I should, and I have every reason to, but right now I'm just in a place where I don't really feel uh, excited uh, like I should about what God's done for me or God's doing in my life. And, and what that does is it blinds you. It uh, distorts your view on uh, how you see things, and that's kind of why I'm particularly doing what I'm doing tonight. Um, I have a feeling... Uh, we're going to talk about grace, just God's grace. And I have a feeling if, uh, if I was to ask you guys, uh, what would you say, how would you explain God's grace? Many of you would give me a different answer. Like I'd, I'd almost be willing to bet that we wouldn't even have two similar answers from two, sim, uh, two different people. Uh, they'd be very similar but different. So you're right now you're thinking like, okay, what is God's grace? And I hope he don't call on me, right? But uh, this is really important just because, you know, where I've been in this last week, it's like um, I've been blinded to God's grace in my life. And uh, what happens when you fail to remember or be reminded of God's grace in your life, you then start operating from a position of ungratefulness, selfishness, and all these things, right? So I'm going to do my best tonight with an illustration to help you guys see uh, visually what it was that uh, God has shown me this past week, okay? So, uh, but my my first question is, if I were to ask you all what God's grace is, and you all all give me different answers, the question I would then ask is, what's the breakdown? Why is it that we would all give different answers. So I'm going to use an illustration tonight to kind of paint the picture and for us to walk uh, through uh, using this idea. How many of you guys are familiar with just computers, computer programming, software? Does anybody use a computer, not use a computer in here? No? So basically everybody, right? Good. This will apply, right? Like if I'd, if I'd asked who'd been uh, snow sledding with dogs in Alaska, we could have been in trouble, right? So I picked this one hoping maybe you guys would uh, be able to relate to it and it would make sense. Now, typically, uh, computers are all going to be operating with an operating system. And once you log into the system, you are then going to be using the operating system, right? And typically, your computer uh, gets preset to uh, selected options so that anytime you deviate from it or there's a, uh, a variable uh, that's not normal, when you click, it'll take you back to your defaulted selected user preference, right? You know what I mean? For example, if you're using Word document on the side, it's going to stay up top. It's going to say default. And that default, you're going to have the size of your font, the color of your font, how, how spaced your sentences are, and all these different things in how you're creating that Word document. Well, typically, the reason we would all um, answer 
what God's grace is differently is, be, is found in the receiver or modem or any of those things, right? We are all a receiver of God's grace, and oftentimes our message is being distorted or low signal or disconnected, and therefore we go back to our default which I'm going to explain here in a minute, and that's where you find yourself operating from is this default. We, we read the verse before we got started, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, right? I'm going, to, I'm going to bring that back up here in a minute. The reason grace is the most difficult thing to comprehend is because it goes against everything we've ever learned, everything we've ever been taught and and everything we would ever choose for ourselves. I'll give you an example. From a very early age, you are teaching your children that little Bobby, if you go to school, you better bring home A's. And if you bring home A's, I will give you this, right? So we start learning this and teaching it, hey, if you guys behave, you'll be able to watch your favorite show, right? And as you grow up, hey, if, as long as you're behaving, you can participate in extracurricular activities. hope I said it right. Uh, and then when you get older and you get a job, it's like, hey, if you do really well in this position, you could possibly be promoted to another position. We are instilling in what is already religious by nature, a workspace system in everyone's lives. And workspace uh, system is contrary to how God works in your life. So in a lot of cases, many of you who struggle with God's grace, it isn't a personal issue. It isn't, well, I just can't simply understand it as well as he can. It's because of your default system. And that's where, that's what we're going to look at tonight. Do you guys understand that? That you're, you don't even recognize you're doing it, right? But you are teaching your kids at a very young age that they have to earn good standing. Okay. That's called religion, right? God's grace is in fact so mind-blowing and feels so unnatural that it causes us to fail to receive it to get the message, to live by it, to allow it to, uh, to allow it to work itself in our lives and extend it to others. Guys, I'll be the first one to tell you the least grace extending people I've ever met are Christians. They just are, right? I'm not picking on them. I'm a Christian. And think about that for a second. Is that not com confusing the, the message? Right? Like, wait a minute. So, so you were saved by God's grace, and you were allowed to then be changed, but you want me to be perfect. That's, that's the wrong message, right? And, and so it's mind-blowing, and it feels so unnatural and it causes us all kinds of problems to the extent that I would submit that it seems scandalous. Scandalous. You're telling me I don't have to do anything to be right with God. That's what I'm telling you. I know, but listen, I'm thinking if I was to do this or if I, if I considered starting to pray more or do these things this way or attend church, then God will love me more, right? No. It's scandalous, guys. It's mind-blowing, right? God's grace is unbelievable. You can't even make up a story like this, right? So let me get this straight. God died for the bad guys. Yeah. See, every hero you guys know, they always die for the good guys. Right? So hopefully you're tracking with how difficult this is and why it's difficult. That's, that's, I guess that's what I'm hoping to communicate tonight is why this is so difficult. Like, right? Like you're, you're saved by God's grace through faith. And then, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to stop. All right. 
So, but I would submit that that's the tricky part because grace is the power of God and affects, right? The effects of grace is where you experience the supernatural. God works based on his timeline and his purpose and his plan in your life for your good. Not because of your good, but be, be, uh, for your good, right? It doesn't make sense. You know, here's uh, keeping it real. Um, most of you would feel better about it if you could earn your salvation. Roger, listen. Let's cut out all of Give me a list, 10 things. Put them on there. I'm going to knock it out every day, right? Why? Because it is hardwired into you from creation, but also through culture where we're teaching people if you behave, then you get these things, right? So that you begin to, uh, to characterize your relationship with God in the same way. God would only be happy with me if I'm doing these things or not doing these things, right? When in fact, it has not, this is hard for me, it has nothing to do with what you're, this doesn't mean you don't do things, guys, okay? But I, there's Christians that, that get uh, um, upset about that. It's like, you know, Roger, you're talking about that gospel thing, and it's like, you almost act like there's nothing that you have to do to be saved. I know. I know. Now, once you're saved, Jesus says you'll be able to tell the fruit, you know, the tree by their fruit, right? Like you'll be able to tell who's been saved. But to be saved, it's absolutely zero. It's zero. And somehow, this is what I'm trying to say. Somehow, uh, throughout life, things happen. Sometimes things don't even happen. And you find yourself on the struggle bus. Bus. See? Go on. Write that one down. Because I'm going to be. There's that guy that said bless the other day. <laughs> yeah, I can be unchristian real quick, okay? I will say something. I sh no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, back on track. All right. Grace would appear to let a guilty person walk free. Would you agree? Would you agree? Because there's nothing you can do for God to love you or be happy with you or desire a relationship with you. So it would appear that a guilty person is walking free when in fact it's the vehicle that allows someone to experience being set free. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know, I know, I know, but he needs to, he needs to quit drinking first. I mean, I would say it'd be a good start. But if God chose to save him, it wouldn't be based on what he's doing. It'd be based on what he did on the cross. That makes sense, right? All right. So for the purpose of tonight's lesson, I want to focus more on why we have such a hard time with God's grace for ourselves. For ourselves. Hey, listen, it's easy to do the blanket. Oh, it's this God's grace thing again. I've heard this one before. It's pretty good, though. I mean, you should have been. I don't know. I got to check Facebook. But... No, I'm talking, to, I'm talking to you, every one of you. Individual, well, I've been a Christian for 20, you know, 15 years. I, I get the whole God's grace thing. Yeah, but you forget it. You for, if I forget it, you forget it. I'm telling you. And, and man, it's so, I want to focus more on why we have such a hard time with God's grace for ourselves. My hope is to move some of you from alcoholic, workaholic, Gamble, uh, is that a word? Gamble-aholic, shame-aholics towards becoming grace-aholics. Where what the world has to offer no longer satisfies you because you're so desperately thirsty for more of God's grace. And you're like, that's a grace-aholic, right? So what is grace? Grace is when God gives us what we don't deserve. That's it. Mercy's different. Grace is getting something that you are being given something that you don't 
deserve, right? And I'm not sure about you guys, but for me, most of my life, as a result of how I lived my life, I would view myself in comparison to others, and by definition, what was understood as being good, right? There was a standard that I was constantly trying to live up to, comparing myself to others. Well, man, that guy doesn't seem to struggle as much as I do. Or, you know, or, or uh, by definition, what was good? Well, he seems to be a really good dad or husband and all that. I should be more like him. Constantly living up to a standard that was unrealistic, right? And, and uh, as being good, I, I would come up short more than I would satisfy that standard. Often, right? Daily. Which led me to operating from a place of trying to earn my way into good standing. And where I failed, I would always overcompensate for the wrong reasons. So, for example, if I disappointed my child by breaking a promise or forgot our anniversary, I would overcompensate so that I would feel good by buying gifts or taking them to do their favorite things or so you see what I'm doing there I feel bad now because I've failed you again and so now I'm going to try to do things that that appear as if I'm trying to make you happy but in fact I'm just trying to make myself feel better about me right What I didn't realize, nor could I see it for what it was at the time, is I wasn't the issue. So if, if, if that touched or that you can relate to anything I just said, you need to hear me say that before I go forward. You, as a person, is not necessarily the issue. You are not a failure you're not destined to be repeat everything your family did. If you're a convicted felon, that's not your identity. We spent a whole month last month on that, right? So do not view yourself in a way that God says is a lie, okay? I wasn't the issue as much as it was. I didn't understand that I had a programming problem. What I mean is our default, right? Pre-selected settings. I'm going to read this quickly, what Nick read a minute ago. In what you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the rule of the power of the air, that's Satan, the spirit now working in the disobedient. Spirit is not capitalized, so that's not the Holy Spirit. It's an evil spirit. We, too, all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. We were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. Our default is to be broken. Our default, spiritually speaking, you are dead in your sins before Christ makes you alive. Okay? So you are literally the walking dead. I was talking with a guy the other day, and I, I got to share with him quickly. You, you do realize that you haven't even lived life yet. Like, that should be encouraging, right? There should be some hope in that. But to understand, so here's what some of you are thinking. Well, wait a minute. That was before Jesus. Amen. But even in Christ, we're wrestling with this flesh until Jesus calls us home, right? So what I didn't realize and what I couldn't see it for what it was is the issue wasn't me as much as that I had a programming issue. My default was to go back to being broken. And I don't mean repeating those behaviors. I mean thinking and seeing things through that lens, right? This will make more sense here in a minute, all right? So, and because I was broken, I would default or go back to operating from that brokenness, and that brokenness, that sin, affected how I viewed myself, 
others, but more importantly, how I viewed God. Now, this is the thing that uh, I want to make sure that I get across tonight. How many of you, even though you're a Christian now, find yourself at times just not feeling like you want to do the things you know you should be doing or, you know, go to church when you know you should, but you just, like, you're not feeling it. You, You guys get what I'm saying, right? And all of a sudden, you start questioning some things or challenging some things that you believe to be true. Well, if God's promises say these things, why do I feel the way that I feel? I shouldn't feel that way right? The problem is, is you are operating out of your default and you are viewing everything through broken lenses. So you're challenging God to be faithful. And I thought when I become a Christian, it was going to be rainbows and lollipops and I would never struggle again. That's a lie from hell, right? It's actually the opposite. We had a suffering savior, And we're living in a fallen world. There is no promise that everything will just become perfect all of a sudden. Okay? So what happens is, is when that time comes, all of a sudden you're in default, this brokenness, and from your brokenness you're trying to interpret everything that God's already said to be true. So where you're questioning things or doubting things or wondering why God's not allowing you to just be that annoying Christian that's always happy, I love them. Dad, burn it. It's not me, though. And my name's Roger Chilton, so I ain't trying to be them because they got their own issues, right? So the next time you find yourself feeling like questioning your next move. Is God going to show up like he promised? Am I going to be able to do the things that these other, I've seen these other Christians do? Uh, when, you, when you get there, you need to recognize you are operating out of default. You've went backwards, and you're trying to view everything in front of you through those lenses, and that don't work, right? All right. Again, I got ahead of myself. Anyways, So, which brings us to the lie that I believed and still have a hard time believing today. Because I fall short daily and struggle with wanting to do the right things, I think to myself, I don't deserve God's love. So, I jump back on that hamster wheel of trying to work myself into good standing so that I can feel better about myself. And we all know and would agree we can't earn what you don't deserve. If you don't deserve it, it's being given to you. Think about all the time, energy, and effort that you've spent in your life trying to work hard at making somebody happy so that you could feel happy. Talk about a wasted They ain't going to be happy anyways, and even if they are, it's going to be short-lived because you're going to mess up again, and they're going to be unhappy one more time. Right? Can't earn what you don't deserve. And if we would all just realize that it's not a personal issue as much as it is, we're operating out of the same default system before we were a Christian. It doesn't mean you're no longer a Christian, and it doesn't mean that you are repeating the, uh, the old creation behaviors, but you can find yourself thinking and feeling in the same way as you used to. You're interpreting everything through that default system. So sinners by nature is the default system system. That is our nature. It's what separates us from a perfect and holy God, and that's why we needed Jesus. We're imperfect. He's perfect. His nature is perfection. Our nature is imperfection. We call that sin, right? And, uh, and you know, that's before and in Christ, which explains why we find ourselves in need of God's grace, right? Now, I I, I want to illustrate that with this truth found in Romans chapter 7, where we find Paul. Many of you are already going to know where I'm going with this, but uh, it's funny how quick we also forget it. 14 through 25. I'm going to read to you quickly. Listen, this guy wrote half the New Testament, 
okay? This guy uh, uh, encountered Jesus. Remember, Nick just preached about this Sunday. He encountered Jesus, the real Jesus, himself. This is what he says. For we know that the law is spiritual. That's just uh, the law of God is spiritual in the sense that it's perfect, righteous, and holy, right? But I am of the flesh, sold as a slave under sin. For I do not, I, any amens when something relates is welcome here, okay? For I do not understand what I am doing because I do not practice what I want to do. But I do what I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. So now I'm no longer the one doing it, but it's sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there's no ability to do it. Man, I don't know how many times I've seen people with good intentions come to church, want to get sober, want to get in relationships with other Christians, and, and just, you know, with that, within just a few weeks they've left. And, I, and sometimes I think to myself, ah, if I could have just read this to them, because I know what they're feeling and I know what they're thinking, and they don't understand what God's grace is because I still don't fully understand it. For I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my foot. This is Paul, guys. This is Paul, the apostle. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there's no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now, if I do what I do not want, I'm no longer the one that does it, but it's the sin that lives in me, default. So I discover this law, when I want to do what is good, evil is present with me. For in my inner self, I delight in God's law, but I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin. And It's almost a tongue twister to some extent, but you guys kind of get the gist, right? He has this genuine desire to please God, but he's still wrestling with pleasing himself. And so he's saying, I have a default, and that default is sin by nature. If I had a hundred choices to pick evil over good, I would probably pick evil the majority of the time. Right? And it wouldn't be like a grievous evil, you know, it'd just be like, you know, skipping church or, you know what I mean? Like, I'd probably do those things more than I would do the right things. And so that's a testimony from the Apostle Paul. So before you rule yourself out as a morally righteous person, let me ask you a question. Because you can say, well, you know, Paul's responsible for killing people and he did some pretty evil things. He was dragging, you know, Nick was telling us this weekend, he was dragging Christians out of their house, ravaging them, using all these violent words, right? And the reality is, so some of you sit there and think, you know, I, I wouldn't really as, ever as bad as like that guy or who, you know, Roger. Well, if I was to drop this screen right here and we were able to collect all of your thoughts or feelings within 24 hours and publicly broadcast them or paste them up there, how many of you would feel welcome in doing that? Hmm. Ain't that something? That was for me, guys. Like, for real, like, that's for me. Roger, let me have... Let me help you get here. Let me put you back over in your place. All right. Lord, please forgive me. Jeez. Why can't I do what I know you want me to do? Right? Like that's, man. It'd be embarrassing. The truth is the only thing anyone in here deserves is God's punishment due to our inability to meet his perfect standards. We don't have to worry about that because he punished his son instead of us. But not because, so, so not because we aren't good enough, but because we operate from this default of brokenness that even as a Christian, we're in constant need of an update or upgrade. 
I've been desperately needing an update in this past week. Trials, tests, tribulations, adversity, afflictions, challenges come, and we fail to download the upgrade, and we go back to our brokenness. Well, for some reason, God, God's not, um, he's not listening to me. God's not um, involved in my situation. He seems to have gone silent, and therefore, I'm now challenging God and who he is and who he promised he'd be for me. That's our default, right? For example, life throws you a curveball, and you immediately resort back to your natural default where you are perceiving those circumstances through your brokenness. So now, granted your operating system may have changed, meaning, meaning you've went from death to life, you had a true spiritual life changing upgrade, but you're still operating from default, which causes you, and here's why, it's what causes you to worry, get anxious, doubt, question what you believe to be true, challenging God and his truth and promises and the, what the Bible says. See, that's what's happening when you get there. That's why you would do those things, Right? But the good news is the rest of that paragraph that Nick opened this up with is talking more about God's grace. So uh, verses 3 through 8 says, but God, no, 4 through 8, but God. You guys should take those and if you're going to get a tattoo, get that on your arm or something. You know what I mean? But God, like I, I live by those two words right there, but God, you know, because we can tell my story. Roger, you... You went to prison, you neglected your children, you lost them to social services two different times, but God. By the way, you left some stuff out, because but God ain't, ain't, ain't as good until you hear all of it, right? You want to hear all of it? I'll give it all to you. Then I'm going to follow it up with, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our sins. You are saved by grace, and he raises us up with him and seats us with him in the heavens in Christ, uh, with Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us, in Christ Jesus, you are saved by grace through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's a gift from God, not from works so that no one can boast. You are his workmanship. He handcrafted you. He assembled you patiently and strategically, putting you together before you were ever even conceived in your mother's womb. But all you want to talk about is how you mess up all the time. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Guys, God's grace is immeasurable. It's unfathomable. It's ongoing like the depths and width of an ocean. If you were in the middle of the ocean, it would seem as if you could never get out of the ocean. And there's a reason it's vast in size and depth and width, right? And once you learn to recognize when you're viewing life through default, those pre-selected settings that used to distort your view on how you saw life and people and God, then you can receive God's grace and quit trying to earn something that you don't deserve anyways. Hey, listen, I'm, a, I'm guessing on this one, I'm guessing. Can y'all guess why they pay most people on Friday and not Monday? They wouldn't show up, right? Jesus paid it all. The check's been written, the check's been cashed, the check's been deposited into your account. And none of you in here would go to work if you were paid on Monday. So why do we spend so much time and energy trying to earn the gift that Jesus freely gives? Think about that, right? That's grace. Grace. 
You can't earn it, and you ain't going to do Did the whole Monday thing work? Because in my mind, it sounded good. No? All right. I'm saying, like, if, like, there's a reason they don't pay on Monday. You're not going to come and work, but because Jesus paid it all. All right. Anyways. Yeah. The work's been done is what I'm trying to say. Right? Here's a quote real quick. I'm going to wrap it up. we got a testimony I'm excited about. Grace is not simply leniency when we have sinned. Grace is the enabling gift of God not to sin. Therefore, grace is power, not just pardon. We interpret grace to be the forgiveness of God, and that's not all the way true. Grace is sanctifying, justifying, meaning ongoing, Grace is working in the believer's life at all times, and that's what you got to rely on. So when you find yourself going back to default, interpreting everything through old, distorted lenses, you got to be reminded of, although I don't know that I'm going to make it to tomorrow, I can trust that God's grace will get me there. Right? Because what y'all are going to do is you what? Well, let me go back to work. I'm going to pray 10 times a day. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm not feeling it. Maybe if I do those. No. Do those things. That's good. But I promise you, that's not what gets you there. It's just the grace. It's unfathomable. It doesn't make sense. You just can sit in a chair and say, I'm not feeling it. I don't even know if I love you right now, God. But all I know is that you love me. You love me enough to die for me. I'm going to sit here until you show back up and you intervene in whatever this struggle bus here and you help me get off of it and get back on the ride, right? 2 Corinthians 12, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is perfected in your weakness. God, I'm weak. God, I'm weak. Therefore, I'll most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in my weakness. Well, I don't want to tell anybody that I'm struggling or I've had a bad week. They're going to think I'm not a very good Christian. I don't know. Paul says, I take pleasure in my weaknesses, my insults, my hardships, my persecutions, and my difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then he is strong. And guess who gets the glory? Look, here's what I know to be true. I don't know when, I don't know how, and I don't know why. But y'all can ask me next week how it's going, and I'm pretty confident I'm going to be like, man, I got through another one. And, I, and I'll be hugging you and stuff. I'll just be, it'd be a totally different me because I, I waited on and I trusted in and I relied on God's grace in my life, right? All this to say, when you find yourself struggling, it's grace that wins you over, not works. We have an amazing testimony with my friend Chris, who wants to come up and share now. Hey, church family, how you doing? Uh, my name's Chris. I want to start off in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this amazing opportunity to come up here and share my testimony, God. Uh, thank you for giving me my testimony. Uh, thank you for loving me through the, uh, the worst and continuing to love me. And, and thank you for your saving grace. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> I chose to write my testimony out because uh, I got to kind of thinking about it. And uh, there was just so much stuff involved that I just no way I could possibly remember everything or, uh, you know, give God the, the credit that he deserves. Uh, so I'm going to start off with a little bit of scripture. Uh, we accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his son. That's 1 John 5, 9. And then, uh, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. That's Matthew 10, 20. Uh, I'm 39 years old. I've got a wife, a cat, a dog uh, who loved me very much. I was raised in Texas by my mom and stepdad. I had a great family who loved me very much and wanted the absolute best for me. As a kid, my mom and dad divorced uh, when I was one, and my mom married a man, and we moved to Texas. 
Uh, my dad was in the military and was always on deployment, and my relationship with him was pretty spotty. Uh, during this time, I went to church regularly and had a child's uh, perception of God, which now that I think about it, that's probably childlike faith is what I really wanted and what I really needed. Uh, I knew that there was something bigger out there that loved me and that wanted good things for me. I knew what it was to pray and ask him for help. Middle school was a big change for me. I had a lot of new friends and didn't really know where I fit in. I was friends with everybody, jocks, the gangsters, the preps, the potheads, the, the partiers, everybody. That was my friends. Uh, I was great at being a chameleon and had friends everywhere. During this time, my mother and stepdad started having problems, which ended up in divorce. This was a bad time for me because this is when I started smoking pot. I started getting arrested when I was 13 and continued this life lifestyle until not so long ago. Uh, basically, my teenage years involved many car wrecks, geographical moves, arrests, uh, failed attempts at anything good in my life, and I, I ruined a lot of relationships along the way. Uh, when I turned 18, uh, things seemed to be getting better. I had a job, a truck, a place to live, and things seemed to be good. It wasn't very far into that streak that alcohol and drugs started to really make a negative impact on my life. Before I was 19, I managed to get three, D three DUIs along with a few drug charges, and I was on my way to prison. Uh, my relationship with God at this time was more of a please uh, help me get out of this mess type of relationship, which I think we can all relate to. Uh, I read the Bible, and I thought I was doing the right thing, uh, but there was still a lot of stuff that I wasn't willing to give up. Um, women, uh, music, uh, negative influences, I just wasn't willing to give it up. Uh, and that, my, my relationship, my creator suffered because of it. After getting out of prison, I thought I had a new start on my life. It was fresh out, everything was good. Uh, that new start was quickly sabotaged by my fourth and fifth DUI. Uh, my last DUI, I rear-ended an elementary school principal during a five o'clock traf tra uh, traffic, uh, trying to score more pain pills and Xanax. Uh, I hurt the guy pretty bad. Uh, the, the last three put me back in prison where I stayed for a while. Texas, for good reason, doesn't play with DUIs. In 2010, I got out of prison and my parole moved from Texas to Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Uh, I thought this geographical move was going to be the answer to my problems. Uh, by moving to Kentucky, I would be around family and had opportunities that I didn't have when I was in Texas. Up until this point, I'd only tried meth a few times and I hated it. I was uh, a full-blown IV-using meth monster in a matter of six months. Meth consumed everything and there was nothing that I wouldn't do to stay high. Uh, at the time, I thought I was the furthest I'd ever been from God's love and grace. Little did I know this is exactly where he wanted me. Since 2010, I caught more than 16 felonies, served a five-year sentence out, a four-year sentence completely out, and I'm currently on inactive uh, caseload for a nine-year shot probation. Uh, I personally believe that I don't deserve to be here, but I'm grateful that I'm not in control and he is. Uh, in 2014, I was given the opportunity in Hopkinsville to uh, be a part of drug court. And somehow, uh, I completed it. It was the first thing I'd ever done in my life where I started from start to finish, besides prison sentences. And uh, I completed drug court. Um, uh, good and great things happened during this time of my sobriety. I had a home, a dog. Uh, favor within the courts, my family's respect, and a whole slew of other honorable things. Life was great. Life was great, but I was still not honoring God with my life and being obedient to his word. Uh, I was still living the life through the world, and I inevitably would have to heed to the Father's correction. I gave up everything I had gained, including my self-respect. I relapsed. Uh, this, though, turned out to be a beautiful thing. After being on the run for over a year, living out of storage rooms, friends' couches, uh, and wherever I could lay my weary head, I was arrested and my probation was revoked and I received my nine-year sentence. Uh, hope was lost and I fully on, intended on having to do the whole thing. Uh, my family reached out to FOS and God started moving mountains immediately. I had multiple cases in separate courts and God simplified it all by dropping all the cases 
uh, in the other courts and leaving jurisdiction to the judge that I actually went through drug court with. Uh, and he, to this day, is like the only judge that is like legit. He's cool. Love him. Uh, <clears throat> uh, April 10th, 2019, he released me to FOS. Uh, prior to this, I really had no... I didn't know anything about FOS. I just wanted to get out of prison and get out of jail and needed a good place to go. And I knew that uh, secular recovery was, I'd already done that and I, I knew that I needed something more. <clears throat> uh, I'd love to stand here and say that from that point on, uh, my attitude was that of gratitude and everything went wonderful, but it wasn't. My first few months at FOS, I was miserable. I wasn't sure I wanted to be there, but I know I didn't want to go back to jail. It took a while for things to sink in, and I'm grateful I stayed around. A lot of prayer, prayers were answered during that time, and they're still being, being, being answered today. I used to pray uh, in prison, you know, that God, you know, he put me around godly men, uh, put me in a godly environment, put me in a church. Um, uh, anyways, I prayed and asked God to put me in a church that I could be part of. He did that. And I asked God to give me a wife who loves him as much as I do, and he did that. Uh, and that's, that's basically it. Uh, I got some scripture. It said, he said to them, go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, uh, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And uh, that's Mark 16. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians 5.14. Thank you. And I guess we can pray out since I got the mic. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to be here tonight and uh, be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, thank you for everything that you do for us. Uh, thank you for your gift of salvation. Uh, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Uh, thank you for uh, your word. Um, just we're we're just so grateful just protect us through this week and and keep us safe and keep us guided in your will in your son jesus christ holy name amen, amen. hey thanks for joining us today a special thanks to those who sow into this ministry if you'd like to partner with us financially Text all one word, Matthew's Table, to 73256. That's Matthew's Table to 73256. It's because of you this ministry is possible. If you like what you've heard, click the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You never know what God can do through your one act of obedience. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. God bless.